the professionals of professionalism proudly present Lewis Howard Live. Your crisp communicator with principal insights for pop culture with a tech edge. And now a man who needs no introduction, Lewis. I feel like the Johnny Carson show. If you guys are old enough to remember Johnny Carson, he had that great intro. And uh, thank you, Con, always for getting us off to an energetic start. Welcome, everyone. I'm back for another edition of Lewis Howard Live, broadcasting from Seattle, Washington, to you from coast to coast and around the world. We're reaching over eight to nine different countries now. We've now added Hungary to the mix. Shout out to all my Hungarians that are now checking out the show. And of course, we're Japan, Philippines, you know the list. We just keep going through it. We are now on SoundCloud. So we've had a 15th platform to the show for you to get us 24-7 on the download. Today's show, I thought I'd take a different turn. And we're going to have a discussion, an informational discussion about the American perspective. As you know, right now, Uh, America and the world, of course, is going through the pandemic and lives are having to be changed and altered on a daily basis. And it may be old news to some of us after 120 days, but we know that this thing is live and well and it's mutating and cases are up. So we're still in the throes of world change, adapting to whatever the new norm is And layered on top of that, we have a social justice movement that is picking up around the world in the wake of the death of American citizen George Floyd at the hands of police officers in Minnesota. So we're in the middle of a great uh, change. And who knows what America will look like uh, a year, two years, three years, five years, 10 years, but we know it's going to be different. And what that difference is, is going to be comprised of the decisions and the choices that we are making today. And so I do want to just say to my listeners out there, we're not through this pandemic. Uh, take care, stay safe, Follow the rules and protocols, no matter how dumb they may appear. I just got off the elevator and they had your foot where you had to face the wall on the elevator. I said to myself, this guy must have some uh, relationship with prison because that's what they do in prisoners. They get you on to tell you to face the wall. So, you know, some of them extreme, but take wisdom and care. We want each of you to be around for a long time. So today we're going to talk about what I call the American dream and the American nightmare. No one's ever talked about it in that perspective before, so we're going to have a groundbreaking kind of conversation with it. But I want to to lay up some history. I hate to just go in and start espousing some uh, uh, facts and opinions without having um, some opinions. So we're going to do this in two uh, shows. And hopefully by the end of the second show that I would have said something or given you a thought that will help you in your journey, whether you are recovering from the pandemic or just getting to America or part of the social justice and reset of America. And uh, 
something that'll help make the difference as many of these words did in my life. So America recently just celebrated its 244th birthday, birthday, as we say in urban, uh, as a nation. And although one of the wealthiest nations on the planet, America is one of the youngest nations in civilization. I mean, there are nations and countries way older than America. I mean, I'm thinking of Egypt comes to mind. I mean, these places have been around since the beginning of time. And so America is a child uh, among really grandparents and adults in the world setup. But we just celebrated the 244th birthday, America born in 1776, um, after the signing of the Declaration of the Independence by the 13 representatives of the colonists that said they had had enough of the motherland and country of England and was done. And so that began the birth of America. So 244 years later, we're here. And the term in modern, uh, well, let's go back. The first term was coined uh, in 1931, and it was called Epic of America. And it was about James Truslow Adams, described as the dream of a land in which life should be better and richer and fuller for everyone, with opportunity for each according to ability or achievement or accomplishment. So that's the foundation of what was referred to as the American dream. That's where it came from, right? So we know that in 1931 was the beginning of the, the change in America after the Great Depression and the start of what was called the New Deal, where uh, President Roosevelt came out with a lot of social benefits and entitlements to help people that had fallen get back up and accomplish this American epic opportunity. So in later times, it is the American dream is a national ethos of the United States. Uh, the set of ideas which freedom includes the opportunity for prosperity and success, as well as upward social mobility for family and children achieve through hard work in a society with few barriers. All right. So that's the 30,000 foot view of what the American dream is defined at. And many immigrants have taken advantage of that. People have come from their home country, different places, come to America, coming into uh, the New York Harbor, past the Statue of Liberty, right into the harbor and passing through and at some point obtaining their citizenship and coming and making a better life for themselves. Stories all over have been written about immigrants who are came, and they've gone on to higher levels of success. But there's another side to this story. There is what I call the American nightmare, and that is people who have been born in America, raised in America, but are not participating in the prosperity. They're not barrier-free, and they're not having a trajectory to a higher life of abundance that other people are enjoying. They're caught in what I call the nightmare. Why I say nightmare? Because the opposite of a dream is a nightmare, right? When you go to bed, you either have a dream 
or you having a nightmare or you don't dream at all, right? But one of those, I woke up, I had a nightmare. Well, imagine living in that light, that nightmare, right? So some people are born into the nightmare. I was one of those individuals. I was born into the nightmare, right? I was given up for adoption uh, shortly after birth. And by the time I was seven years old, I had acquired three mothers and two fathers. I'm not sure still how that happened, but I did. And we moved all the time. Uh, in 12 school se seasons, um, I went to 10 schools. I was always the new kid on the block. So I didn't know I was living an American nightmare. I just thought I was living life. And the mantra by my grandparents was just work hard, keep your nose clean, stay out of trouble. Okay. That's the version of living in a nightmare. That's how to survive the nightmare. That is not the American dream. That is not what the foundation of what I just read you was. There's nothing about work hard, keep your nose clean, and you'll achieve the American dream. There's nothing in that. Okay. So we've been taught one way to go about living and existing, and it really is not the really the true way of the American dream. You're surviving the American nightmare but you're not living the American dream. And so today I want to share, I think, a couple of thoughts. And in the second show, we'll also add some calls and some information on how do you get into that American nightmare and how do you get out? So it is the American dream versus the American nightmare. Before I go to break, I'm going to tell you just a quick story how I first learned that I was in the American nightmare. So as a kid, we moved around. And so as a result, I got to compare lifestyles. I got to compare how our family lived and then how affluent middle-class white families lived where I went to school. And so I became friends with some of the kids in school and we were hanging out one day and we were on our way uh, to go over to this girl's name, Susan's house. Susan lived right around the corner from the school and she was going to take some students over to swim in her pool. Now, I came from the hood. I lived in apartments and I was excited to go to a house with a pool. I had never seen such a thing. So I was thrilled at 12 years of age to go check out this pool. So we're walking down the street and... The group is talking ahead and I'm kind of lingering behind and suddenly the group stops. Susan turns to me and she says, Lewis, you can't come to my house. And I was crestfallen. She never explained to me why, but I knew why. And it was at that point that I realized I'm in the American nightmare. I can hang out with them, but I can't hang with them. And so there are millions of stories like that to varying degrees, but it doesn't matter what varying degree is. Once you realize you're in the nightmare, you're in it. And so it began. So when we come back from break, I'm going to tell you a couple more instances of moving through the nightmare. And I really believe that every listener uh, tuning in to me today, you can get out of the nightmare. Your best days are ahead of you. No matter what you see, no matter what you face, you can break through this nightmare. I did it. If I can do it, you can do it. So stay with us. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll jump into more of the American dream versus the American nightmare. You're listening to Lewis Howard Live. Stay with us. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back.
Lewis Howard of Lewis Howard Live has partnered with Amazon Books to bring you his dynamic, life-changing book. From Here to There is the best-selling biopic journey of Lewis Howard's road from adopted child in poverty to achieving over a billion dollars in real estate assets. Lewis shares his secrets and principles, which helped make his meteoric rise to the top an inspiration to millions. Lewis Howard, From Here to There, available on Amazon Books at createspace.com slash 450-6888. Get it today. Hey, thanks for joining us and being part of the conversation. You've tuned in to Lewis Howard Live. Thank you. And welcome always to our listeners. Today we're having, you know, another one of those tough conversations that are being had around the world. And that is this cultural, the social justice. And by the way, I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show, I'm honored to have been uh, invited to be a member of the Social Equity Task uh, for Keller Williams Realty, uh, one of the world's largest real estate companies. I think we have over 185,000 associates and we're in about 25 countries and counting. And so I'm going to have the opportunity to sit on that board and add my insight and experience, hopefully to the group to help bring about some change, not only in our country, but uh, in our company, but in our country and in our region. So today we're talking about this concept of the American dream and the American nightmare. We know that it is the tenant of American way of life, this American dream. It certainly has changed over the years. People have, you know, reconceptualize what the dream is, but I'm just starting in its original uh, tenets and foundation and talk about where we are today. So I was sharing a little bit before we went to break about my first experience of the nightmare experience, right? Spirit, first experience of what would be called racism, bias, um, and setting that example to me that I was not good enough, that there was something different about me, that I wasn't them. And that will stick with you. And so that'll either make you bitter or it will make you better. And you have to make a decision because sometimes you think you've let things go and you haven't let it go. And years down the road, you become angry about something that happened to you when you're 11 years old. Seriously, it happens. I'll talk to the therapist and the psychologist. They'll always, whenever you go to a therapist, the first thing they start talking to you is about what? Your childhood. Tell me about your childhood. Because why? The childhood is the foundation of our thinking. So a lot of people like me experienced those things in their childhood. Those thoughts were deposited into them that you're different. You're in the nightmare. You're not one of us, right? Whether it was intentional or not, the bottom line is it happened and it did have an effect. Now for me, I eventually broke through the nightmare, but it wasn't overnight. I mean, I spent the first 20 some years of my life in the nightmare and living all kinds of crazies from drugs, arrest, addiction, just you name it. And I probably experienced some part of it growing up. And I thought I'd never get out of it. I really did. I thought at some point, I'm never going to get out of the twilight zone. I'm never going to escape the matrix. But I was determined to because I had a dream. I had a dream that was in me. So today, I think I just want to share with you what I learned. Uh, maybe it helps. Maybe it doesn't. But I do want to share just some of the things. But before I do that, I just want to share some key findings, because 
it's easy to get on Facebook and people share their opinions. And obviously we've got protests, march and things like that. But I always want to look at history and I want to look at statistics. I want to also let the facts and the numbers talk as well. So some of the stuff that you see, you know, we're living today 55 years after the civil rights movement, right? So, and what there was some reports done of what African-Americans' life, people of color's life was after the 13th Amendment. And uh, here's some findings. So what they found was, is one of the good news is today, African-Americans are much better educated than they were in 1968. But they still lag behind whites in overall educational attainment. So when I think about that, I would say, how many African-Americans go to Harvard, Yale, Brown, Okay, these exclusive high-end universities. Okay, because that's a higher level. That's where the American dream comes out of, right? Most graduates from Yale go on to run companies. So when you think about, okay, it's great that the education has improved, but where is that education benefiting from, and who are your connections? Because if I'm in Yale, I'm going to be connected. We have presidents that come out of Yale. We have senators that come out of that university in Harvard. These places. So. Again, it's one thing to be educated, but what is the level of my education? You know, of course, we always joke about the street of hard knocks university, and I get all that, but, but, but institutionally, to create a legacy of learning, you got to have a good education, right? So more than 90% of younger African-Americans aged 25 to 29 have graduated from high school. That's good, compared with just over half in 1968, which means that they're nearly close close the gap between high school graduates of other races, including whites. There's also more twice as likely to have a college degree than in 1968. So again, the level of education among African-Americans has improved. And that is a good thing because that education is a foundation to opportunity, right? So the more educated I am, the better my resume looks, the more opportunity I can gain. All right. Number two was the substantial progress in educational attainment of African-Americans have been uh, accompanied by significant improvement in wages. Like I said, it can make more money, income, wealth and health since 1968. However, black workers still make 82.5 cents on the dollar earned by white workers. African-Americans are two and a half times as likely to be in poverty as whites. Now, one of the numbers that I looked at personally is because I I you know, track economics. So 50% of whites uh, live above the poverty line, middle class or above, 50%. Okay, uh, African-Americans make up 13% of the population, right? Roughly 80% of those live below the poverty line. So only 10 to 20% of African-Americans are even close to financial independence or even wealth building. So 80% of one group still lives below versus 50%. Right. So that's a big number. That's a big disparity in terms of how um, wealth is transferred and how income is earned. So with respect to home ownership, which is near and dear to me, because that's part of my business uh, is home ownership, real estate says with uh, respect to home ownership, unemployment and incarceration. That's a big one. Uh, Americans have failed to deliver on any progress to African-Americans over the past five decades. In these areas, their situation has either failed to improve relative to whites or is worse than in 2017. The black unemployment rate was 7.5%. So this is done a few years back, up from 67 
uh, percent. We know that in 2019, those numbers did go up uh, substantially higher. Uh, the black home ownership rate is just over 40 percent. OK, so when we talk about accomplishing the American dream versus living in the American nightmare, home ownership is a very key part of that. It is very important. So if you don't own a home, then that is usually one of people's biggest assets. So 60% when this was done of African-Americans do not own homes. Okay. Why is that? Why is that? Okay. Is that a systematic problem? Is that an institutional problem? Is that an individual problem? I don't know. But the bottom line is until those numbers improve, then the opportunity to have asset-based wealth uh, is not even there. Okay. So I'm not talking about going out and renting a place, right? I'm not, no, that's not the same thing. You, you have to own it. Own it. It's yours. The deed of trust is in your name. If you're just joining the show today and wondering what are these numbers, what are you talking about? We're talking about uh, the disparity of the American dream versus the American nightmare, particularly with people of color and in line with the social uh, justice movement that's happening right now, the Black Lives Matter and other changes that are happening, not only in the U.S., but also around the world uh, in light of the death of American citizen George Floyd at the hands of police in Minnesota. So we're just talking about What's the difference? Because there is a contrast if you're living in the American nightmare. Now, here's the other problem. If I'm living in the dream, I don't even know about the nightmare. Do you know that there are people that are so freaking rich that they don't even know that there is even poverty? They, they don't not, it, it's not even a concept to them. They have to stop and actually put their mind in that place. I worked for a billionaire for 10 years and he had made money so long, like he didn't even know what it's like not to have money or to struggle or to have to have a car payment or a house payment. It just wasn't even in his thinking. So that's part of where the divide comes is once people are achieving the American dream and they have wealth, they're just not connected with anybody living in a nightmare. They're just not. And there's your disparity right there. They live behind the gates. I call it behind the gates, right? There are country clubs you can't even get in unless somebody invites you in. You can't have a social justice fight there because you can't even get in, right? So there are places where the elite, and we'll talk about that in the, uh, maybe in the next show, about the hoarding of wealth and the hoarding of prominence and power um, to a select group because they have it and they know how to keep it. And they're not going to let it go. And so while you're out here struggling in your nightmare, um, it's just a different life for them. All right. So clearly, African-Americans have a long way to go from an income standpoint, from a homeownership standpoint, uh, but particularly incarceration. I mean, this has been a big issue in America for a long time, that African-Americans are, you know, two thirds of the uh, prison population. Right. And they will get three to four times the amount of sentence time for the same crime as somebody that's white. So there is a disparity within our justice system. I'm not covering a lot of that in our shows, but that's another place that I could spend a whole day just talking about the inequality in justice. Right. How different does justice look? Now, on a funny note, uh, one of my favorite comedians is Dave Chappelle. And Dave Chappelle did an episode of Law and Order. You guys should Google that because it was absolutely funny. And so Dave Chappelle, he says, we're going to reverse what the justice looks like for them versus what it looks like for us. And so they, he totally flipped the script in this segment, and it was absolutely 
hilarious. So if you do not know Dave Chappelle, Google the segment that he did called Law and Order, and you'll understand from a point that I'm trying to make about the justice system, how flipped that is. So the bottom line is, is, is as I shared is, I got out of the nightmare. Um, I had mentors. I had multimillionaire mentors that took me under their wing and helped me. And that's important because uh, they were living the American dream. So part number one, if I'm going to make a point today, is you got to get connected with people outside the nightmare, right? If you're just hanging with people in the nightmare, then that's where you're going to be. Because the, 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 the dreamers, the people that have obtained, they're not coming into the nightmare. You're going to have to come out of the nightmare. That means you're going to have to go places where those people are and spend time with them and take the opportunity to sit and listen. I got a friend that owns 14 McDonald's. 14. That's right. 14 McDonald's. I spend as much time with him as I can. He happens to be a person of color, but I spend time with him because guess what he's living? The American dream. He doesn't think about money. He has it coming in, right? I got people that own half of cities. I spend time with them because I want to know um, how they got there, what sustained them, and how do they stay there, right? So you, if you're living, listen to me today, and you're caught in what you call a nightmare, uh, you got to find somebody that's not living in the nightmare. You got to find somebody that is already where you want to be. Okay, where you want to get to. I remember in the show that Will uh, Smith did a movie, and I can't remember the topic of the movie um, and the name of it, but it was he had fallen on hard times and he sees this guy pull up in a Ferrari and he walks up to the guy and he says, I want to know what you do. He didn't compliment the car, he just says, I want to know what you do. You need to walk up to somebody. And you just ask them, hey, I want to know what you do. I have young people come to me and they want to sit down. Hey, how do you do what you do? But then I got haters, right? Then I got people that rather than sit and talk with me, and I'm talking about people of the same race, by the way. I'm not talking about opposite racism. I'm talking about people of the same race will sit there and hate and find something wrong with what I'm doing rather than sit there and try to learn. I'm where you're not, okay? So you might want to just like... Uh, take a chill pill on your coolness and your swag for a minute and take a listen so that you can get out of your own nightmare. Because that's what it's about, right? You're either living in an American dream or you're living in an American nightmare. And sometimes you've been living in a nightmare so long, you don't even know you're there. You just don't even know you're there, right? And that's one of my points um, on this. It's called uh, institutionalization. So uh, we'll make this point and then that, that will wrap us today. But I just want to talk about institutionalization because I'm hearing a lot of words about uh, systemic racism and, uh, you know, subconscious racism. So I'm hearing those terms and, and they, they do have merit on their own. But so does institutionalization. Okay, so let's talk about what is institutionalization. What institutionalization is, is it's a term really that came out of prison. And what would happen to a prisoner after he had spent decades in prison? So first, the prisoner would go in there and hate the surroundings, fight the surroundings, right, and rebel against the surroundings. But eventually, he came to accept the surroundings and eventually loved the surroundings. So much so that when the time came for the prisoner to go free, 
most of them within six months reoffended to go back to the prison because they were more comfortable in the prison than they were on the streets. That's institutionalization. Okay. Now, the honest thing is some people are comfortable in that nightmare because they've been in it so long. Their grandmother was in it. Their grandfather was in it. Then they're comfortable in it. They're comfortable in the hustle. They're comfortable in the grind, right? Because they've been institutionalized in that way of living, that mediocre, below the grade way of living, right? You hear parents say something to your kid, you ain't nothing. I'm being nice on my words. Your daddy wasn't nothing. Your grandfather wasn't nothing. Okay, well, now you're institutionalizing this kid into a way of living, okay? So we do that. That's not racism. We do that. Okay, now it may be born out of the situation we found ourselves in regard because of the system, but we're doing that. We make those words come out of our mouth when we're speaking it to our children. Okay, we are always be building our kids up to be better than where we were, were and where we are and where we want to go. You got to fight institutionalization and it creeps in your mind. Failure was mine. Right. I grew up being institutionalized in failure. I, it was not expected for me to succeed. I was the kid nobody would pick on the basketball team. Okay, if they picked me, it's because they had no other options left. Right, so and I failed a lot. I failed a lot. As much as I tried to call myself Mister Success, I failed. I failed. Became institutionalized in failure. I became the mantra of "Can't kill nothing, won't nothing die." Three steps forward and two steps back. Okay, I lived that. Okay, I was institutionalized in that way of thinking. So what do you think I did when an opportunity came my way? I'd act big and bad for five minutes, but then that thought, that institutionalized thinking would come up to me and say, you know, this is not going to work. You know, this is going to fail. You know, they're not going to let you succeed. You know, you can't do this. And eventually I'd give into that thought. And guess what? Thought was right. Okay, so you have to break that institutionalized thinking that we were unfortunately maybe born into or taught through schools, to whatever means, whatever voice spoke in your head and institutionalized you into a lower way of thinking, you got to break that. And the only way you can break that really is you got to spend time with yourself. You got to go back through your life. It's an amazing journey when you go back through your life and you realize the layers that have been put on you by people. Things that you say, and you don't even know why you say it. Right. You don't even know. Why do we say three steps forwards and two steps backwards? You know why you say that? Because somebody else told you that. Grandma said that. Somebody said something to you and it became a way of life. Okay. So I want to lay these thoughts just kind of as a foundation to think about how do you break free? My hope for doing this show is that one of you breaks free and get out of that nightmare and start living the dream like I have been able to live the dream over the past 20 years. Okay, it is possible. It is possible. Now, living the dream doesn't mean everything is easy street. Living the dream doesn't mean that there's not problems. There are not challenges and they're not failures. But guess what? I'm back again the next day. I'm up. Nobody's got a chain on me. Nobody has a chain of debt on me. Nobody has a chain to tell me where I can go, where I can't go. I'm not on lockdown. That's freedom. And every day I have that, I have the opportunity to go higher in the American dream. So that's our show today. Just want to share that and give you the insights 
on how to look at this perspective on the American dream. And we're going to continue the conversation and hopefully give you a couple more pointers that will help you become the best version of yourself. Thanks for joining us. And don't forget, you can get us 24-7 on demand. You can get us on Apple. iTunes seems to be our biggest platform that people love to get us on Apple. But we got podcast.com, SoundCloud. Uh, boy, there's just tons of them. I can't even remember all of them. They're getting to be so many of them. And I'm honored that it's getting to be that many. But you can Google Lewis Howard Live and it'll just come up and you can click on the shows. Hey, we'll see you again on another edition of Lewis Howard Live. The Millionaire Club Charity is one of Seattle's oldest existing charities. In addition to job placement and employment services, the Millionaire Club provides job training and licensing to help workers become qualified and job ready, from nutritious meals and sack lunches to housing assistance to stabilize their lives. Despite its name, the donors to the Millionaire Club are ordinary citizens with a desire and passion to help fellow citizens overcome the barriers of employment and housing. For more information, call 206-728-JOBS or go to millionaireclub.org.